0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: And hello, you're on Dirt Radio. Good morning with Colin. We're broadcasting live from 3CR Studio in Collingwood. Dot Radio is a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth Melbourne. So check us out on www.fo.org.au. And to start with, we're going to start with a quick community announcement because we're very busy today. Still
0: fighting for what is ours.
1: Climate action. Climate justice.
0: No man, no the time, no the hour.
1: In December, the governments of 190 countries arrive in Paris to discuss a new global agreement to stop dangerous climate change. Tricia joins their discussions with a series of special interviews and analysis, starting Monday, November 16th till 28th, and continuing into December. From 8 a.m. till 8.30 a.m., weekdays and on Saturdays. The warnings have been issued. If we don't hold the line on emissions climate change will be irreversible.
0: Sinking so low. Sinking so low.
1: Stay tuned as 3CR Breakfast programmes join the global conversation.
0: It's time to roll
1: your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And today we will talk briefly about what happened yesterday in Melton at the Reclaim Australia protest, the counter-rally and the police forces. After, after that, we'll chat about the Paris summit talks on climate change. So I got Sam Castro and Kat Moore here with me today. And this time, Sam, you're definitely not <laughs> on the same side of the panel. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear myself. No worries. So Sam, <laughs> you're the operation coordinator for Friends of the Earth mm-hmm. and uh, you're also involved with many other great campaigns for so- social justice and social change. And Kat, you're a kick activist from Waka and the Climate Angels, also part of Friends of the Earth. How you doing, girls? Hello.
2: Hello. <laughs> Good to be in the studio and um, sorry about that. My he- I can't hear myself through my headphones. That was why I was jumping is
1: over the panel. Is it better now? No. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll fix it while we we'll talk. Uh, yeah. So yesterday, you both went to the counter rally in Melton, mm-hmm. making sure that a bunch of fascists could not walk freely in the street, yelling they hate against Muslims and uh, who are also opposing the construction of the Melton's mo- mosque. Could you please tell us about the vibe there and the numbers in each group? Sure. Uh, look, I think it's really
2: important to know. Note- uh, at the beginning also that the the premise for the gathering of Reclaim and UPF in Melton is completely false. Uh, they're saying that money is going to a Muslim mosque instead of a special needs school. And my understanding is that um, the school is had state funding and the mosque is not even being built there anymore. So I, I'm not sure that their whole premise for gathering was even legitimate. But, of course, we've been working... Uh, with other groups, the anti-fascist groups around uh, not letting these people get um, a foothold in Victoria and obviously other groups are working around Australia. So we went there for the distinct purpose to continue to push back against having hate speech and violence incited on our streets by a group of people that actually have fascist values. This is not just a group of racist, ignorant Australians. This is a group with fascist values. Their leader is not only a fascist but a misogynist and they are very, very interested in gaining political power. Uh, And this, this is not okay. This is not free speech. This is actually how we end up with places like 3CR being uh, having thugs walk through here, members of our own group WACA being punched on the street, women. Uh, I mean, these people are inciting violence and the fact that the state government is not investigating their ties to neo-Nazis is extraordinary. Uh, they're inciting violence, so that's why we went there. And there was many more of us than them. Uh, and it was a pretty uh, intense vibe, I thought. What did you think, Kat?
0: Yeah, I thought um, there were, yeah, it was interesting. They, we, A lot of us were quite separate um, and the moments where it did kind of rile up a little bit were when the fascists came around behind the police lines. As they always as, do. As they do and as they are allowed to do. Allowed and to um, be, yes. And directly threatened Members of the anti-fascist group, they, um, yeah, that came up and yelled at people, threw punches,
2: yeah. tried to stab people with a flag. Yeah, and they threw beer cans. I mean, it was outrageous. Oh, really? Yeah. Because,
1: like, the the Herald scam, <clears throat> called the riot, which cost, like, $250,000. Did you see that that was the riot? No, uh, Any cops provocation or? There
2: was... A, what? Sorry, there was a riot? Yeah, like... The, uh, uh, I must have been looking the other way uh, when yeah. the riot happened. We must have been having a, a, a glass of water while that was going on. Uh, no, there was definitely no riot. There were at least 700 police there. They had kettled the reclaim people early on in their little space... And there was, you know, huge lines between us. So um, the two sides couldn't come together in the formalities of the rally. But what the police enabled to happen, which is what they do every time these thugs come on the streets, is they did not patrol the perimeters. And so there were people from the UPF pretending to be locals and then moving in again onto the side of the anti-fascist, anti-racist crowd and creating problems And, you know, what I would like to say is the most spectacular thing that I saw yesterday was the way that the anarchist groups worked together to protect the entire rally Mm. uh, for the whole time and it was quite extraordinary and I just want to say to anyone out there criticising anarchists for masking up at these rallies, UPF are identifying people, putting out death threats, inciting violence. We've seen it actually occur in real life and it makes absolute sense to mask up in the face of state brutality. The police were targeting every anarchist there. Um, So, you know, I just want to note that I really dislike that criticism because there are very practical reasons why you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And these guys were amazing. They were were doing the police's job. They were looking out for everybody while the police stood by and let these thugs move in. It was only um, towards the end of the rally where our group moved onto the street ready to march and we were trying to prevent the uh, Reclaim UPF group from marching. Um, that the police realised that there was a whole heap of Nazis like coming in and smashing people and they actually for the first time ever at one of these rallies I actually saw a whole bunch of robocops go and push back the Nazis on the other side that were trying to attack people. Um, so it's good to see that the police recognised where the violence was really coming from, Yes, um, but their treatment of the people within the rally was you know, hyper-vigilant um, and particularly towards the anarchists who were doing an awesome job of community organising.
1: Um, H- how many people in uh, Reclaim Australia rallied you reckon?
2: Oh, God, I reckon there was maybe 200 of them. Max. Maximum. Yeah.
1: 200, that's ridiculous. Ma- yeah.
2: Maximum.
1: Between
0: and, 100 and 200 throughout
2: the yeah, day. Yeah. I mean, they kind of came and go... When we first got there, there was maybe 50 of them mm-hmm. and 100 of us. And by the time it really fired up, there was, what, at least 500 of us mm, and yep. maybe 100, 150 of them yeah. um, with 700 police protecting them and about Whoa. 20 horses. So... You know, uh, it's quite extraordinary that uh, the government continues to insist that this is an issue of free speech. This is not an issue of free speech. Not at all. This is an issue of really terrible, right-winged ideology being allowed to flourish. uh, And it includes hate speech and violence. And it was very clear that day from, you know, the insults being shouted at us that this was not a rally that had anything to do with the local community in Melton. This was about them trying to pick a soft target where they thought they could actually gain a foothold. And I think that uh, everyone that went out there uh, proved, proved that, that's, that they'll always lose in Victoria.
1: Thank yeah. you very much, Sam. For listeners, please don't forget to stand every day against fascism. Now, I would like to play the 3 response to the UPF incursion that happened two weeks ago mm-hmm. in the studio.
0: On Sunday, November 1st, five members of the fascist group United Patriots Front, the UPF, gained entry into 3CR and filmed throughout the building without permission.
1: In an effort to intimidate the station and its programmers, then they posted the video on their Facebook page. The UPF
0: also made an unwelcome visit to the Melbourne Anarchist Club on the same day. 3CR rejects these tactics of intimidation and expresses our solidarity with other groups subjected to harassment and vilification from groups such as the UPF, who are of concern because of their racist, Islamophobic and anti-Semitic beliefs, hostility to the left and capacity for violence.
2: 3CR reasserts our commitment to progressive politics and our core mission of providing a voice to people denied a voice elsewhere in the media and in society.
1: Affiliated with the station, are a diverse range of community organisations, from trade unions to housing groups to music appreciation clubs.
0: We stand by our commitment to provide a voice for Muslims, newly arrived migrants, Indigenous people, unions, women, queers, the working class, people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and people with a disability. As such, we will continue to do what we have always done, uphold basic principles of human dignity, diversity and fairness. We call on all listeners and supporters to join us in rejecting this amateur schoolyard bullying and the politics of fear that fosters bigotry and the marginalisation of vulnerable
2: minorities.
1: Okay. 3CR where diverse communities work in solidarity with each other. And you're on Dirt Radio, a show sponsored by Friends of the Earth. You with Colin, Sam and Kat. Sam and Kat are both part of Friends of the Earth and they're going in a few days in Paris to bring the people's voice into the debate. So, like COP21 will be held in Paris from the 30th of November to the 11th of December, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, Yeah. so just it's to make sure we're not going to reach the increased 2 degrees warming of the planet. While a planet is burning due industrialization, or le- or world leaders are organizing another summit about what to do. I would like to add like a couple of facts about all these climate change summits because it's not the first time this type of things happened. No. So like the first one started in nineteen seventy two for the United Nations. It's been organized by a guy called Maurice Strong a French guy. Maurice Strong was also the CEO of very dirty fossil fuel companies like Dom Petroleum, Caltex and Petrol Canada, and many more. <laughs> yeah. Today, COP21 is sponsored by a bunch of multinational companies mm. who don't have the environment had their main interest, mm-hmm. like GDF Suez, who turned their name into Engie. So do you remember the Hazelwood fires? Last year, that burned for 45 days and intoxicated the whole Latrobe Valley? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the company responsible for those fires and who refused to pay compensation. Also, EDF is Electricity de France. That's the world leaders in nuclear energy. So I reckon... Maybe Sam and Kat. <laughs> <laughs> You'll even find Coca-Cola handing out free samples <laughs> on this <Cop> 21
2: <laughs>
1: So, Sam, w- why is it important that people of the world go to Paris as well?
2: Well, for the exact reasons that you just described, the United Nations has been working on this since 1972 in uh, serious earnest probably for the last 23 years. Um, with the Rio summit, I think was the real beginning of the kick of climate change, global warming. Um, And these corporations are inside the tent. Uh, We are looking for solutions through the very entities that are killing the planet that are also creating the circumstances for war. Uh, So Now more than ever, it's important that we go there as a community and show leadership and show that we understand what the issues are, we understand what needs to be done, and that we are not going there to beg the leaders to to achieve an agreement. We're going there to say, you have failed us, you have co-opted yourselves and got in bed with these multinationals and we're here to defy that and to actually tell you we're going to take control of this from now on and you'll get left behind. So, you know, I think it's... It's really important, particularly when you, you know, the multinationals that you are talking about have direct links into Australia. Um, at the Australian government is the most belligerent government in the world at this point and quite a pariah. And we want to expose our fossil fuel loving government on the world stage for what they really are, and that is climate destroyers. They are contributing to the potential extinction of half the species on the planet, not to mention billions of displaced people. Uh, how can we not go and hold them to account? How can we not go and and try and find a pathway through not for the leaders but for the world's communities uh it, it just i don't i don't know what else to do what else what else do you do at this point other than what, go? What are your direct
1: demands?
0: What are our direct demands I guess the yeah it's it's really just kind of saying well you know we we need to be allowed we need to give ourselves the power to take control of this situation and do the things that need to be done to to stop the destruction of the planet. So, I mean I guess from the from the world leaders' point of view, you know, stop you know, get out of the pockets of the fossil fuel industry, stop funneling money into coal and gas and oil and start putting the money that you ta- comes from the people
2: back into things that will ensure the survival of the people and of the planet. The the Climate Guardians uh, the Climate Guardian Angels on their website climax.org have a list of demands specific demands that we are putting as a group going together to the world leaders. Uh, They're they're quite detailed, so you can go online and read them. Uh, But the main one is exactly what Kat said. You know, we agree with most of the global community, like it's time to end fossil fuels. There must be a solid commitment to get off coal, to get off coal seam gas, to actually start investing in the renewable, sustainable technologies, number one. Um, Secondly, you know we need to find transitions to do that, mm-hmm. and we need to do it in a way where the corporations do do not dominate control of the next resource energy phase of our existence. We want community empowered leadership. And we also want real understanding of the adaptation that is going to be required. And part of that is the United Nations, which has failed us again and again and again, in achieving uh, an end to poverty, an end to war across the world, they need to recognise that there are going to be millions of displaced people as a direct result of wealthy northern countries using poor southern countries to generate cheap energy. So what we need to do is recognise climate um, refugees. Now, I understand there is a call from these communities not to be called refugees. So insert displaced person, you know, what, whatever the word is, there needs to be international recognition that people will need to flee their homes and they will need protection much like any other refugee. Um, and so that introduces the whole concept of, well, what, you know, look at the refugee situation at the moment. So mm. I, I think that more so than the listed demands, because we don't think the leaders are going to do bugger all to achieve these things, the most important thing from my perspective is the understanding that these things are interconnected and Paris should recognize that more than anything right now because Syria began with crop failure, climate impacts that created mass migration into cities, civil unrest, legitimate uprising that was then co opted. Um, the war on terror is very much about fueling resource wars. And we all yeah. know these things, like everybody knows these things. And still, we pretend like they're separate. Uh, Syria is just such an uh, extraordinary example of climate change and the war on terror merging together to create a cluster. Beep. <laughs> um, sorry, it's ten ten a.m. in the morning, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, you know what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this is this is a very. Crucial point of understanding for us to get across in Paris that we can no longer separate climate change from the war on terror, and we need to recognize that uh, fueling terrorism is also fueling climate disaster because the US empire and its military are the biggest user of fossil fuels on the planet. Uh, There is direct correlations between the arms manufacturers and the big energy companies. Let's not pretend there's not. Uh, So yeah, I'm hoping that what will come out of this more so than demanding the leaders do anything Mm -hmm. is a recognition by the global community. We are building a movement that is like a super movement, right? It's... Beyond climate, war, refugees, it's the understanding of the complete interlinkage, which is we need system change on every level from technological to financial to economic to social, cultural, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that there's anyone under 60 that doesn't understand that, you know. Um, I think there are a lot of people over 60 in terms of baby boomer generation that are very attached to the material wealth they have gathered um, in one of the most destructive centuries that the world has lived in, uh, the 20th century. you know. So we need to also acknowledge that and really uh, ask ourselves what we're prepared to do to ensure that my children and my grandchildren can live without complete chaos, war and climate disaster. Uh, and I don't care if that means Exxon goes broke. I don't care if that means Shell goes broke. It's, it's actually irrelevant because we're talking about ecocide
1: and genocide.
2: Yeah.
1: Regarding the, the terrorist attacks mm. that happened mm. in Paris, because that's also like one of the, the major points, yeah. um, the climate march has been cancelled by the police, mm. yeah. not by the organisers. Mm-hmm. So all the green groups in Europe and many around the world, like you guys, are still planning on going
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, What's
1: your plans now?
0: Well it's almost more important than ever that we do turn up now because not mm. only are we voicing you know, making ourselves heard and standing up about, you know, climate change and the eco side that is coming out, but it's also about standing up against the suppression of our liberty and of our right of free speech. Mm. So if we were to all stay at home now, we're effectively saying, you know, if you if if the government any government tells us to sit down and shut up because of you know a security threat, that's fine. We'll mm. do it. Mm. We'll sit down. They can go and have their talks, and and you know we'll we'll just sit at home and watch it happen. And you know because there's the government says there's a security threat. Whereas if we we need to stand up, we need to be out on the streets. We need to make ourselves seen, and we need to let them know that we the people will not be silenced because. The
2: government tells us it's not safe to speak. Mm. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting about the way these laws are being used is that big football matches are still going ahead. All mm. the open-air night markets for Christmas in Paris are still going ahead.
1: This is economic. We're talking about economic. Uh, oh, yeah.
2: or- oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, of course, there's yeah. money involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what were we thinking? Um, so, you know... I don't think anyone is – I understand the people Mm -hmm. of Paris are probably in shock, much as Mm. the people of New York were after 9-11, and that can make you agree to really crazy stuff, and I get that. And I think on retrospect, people that don't come out um, to march and to protest – will look back and realise what actually happened and that they were in some sort of shock and el- enabled themselves to lose their rights and be silenced at the most crucial time mm. on the planet. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's delusional to think that this is about actually protecting protesters' safety. We all know this is about shutting down any opposition, any public force that may sway the delegation, that may expose them for the corrupted fools that they are. Uh, so I'm... I also feel that now it's more important than ever. And this is what happened after 9-11 to the anti-capitalist, anti-globalisation movement. We had built a global movement that was tackling world economic forums every time they tried to get together to talk and what did they do they used state violence and and then 9/11 happened and everything just went away yeah um so i think that this is another example of authoritarian governments and i know that they say holland is you know not as bad as the others but he definitely has a very hawkish foreign policy much like obama yes um he's not he's not a pussycat at all mm-hmm. and he's using his power um to shut down if you if you really Really want to lock the global world into a fossil fuel paradigm, what movement do you break? You break the environmental
1: movement. Yes, exactly. So For a long you know, time, uh, eco-warriors blockades and movements, mm-hmm. they've been the second biggest threat in mm. France after terrorism. Yeah. Mm. So after like the big blockades we had in the last like five years, mm. uh, the environmental movements, they're... The threat onto the government. Yeah, mm.
2: I just I know we're nearly out of time, um, Colin. I just yeah. want to get in one little thing about yeah, about please. why else we're going to Paris. We are carrying with us mm. over seven hundred, eight hundred letters, f- ranging from you know grade threes to year ten, elevens from across Australia who have written letters or done artwork for us to deliver to delegates at at the COP twenty one. Uh, and their voices are completely shut out of this as much as the Pacific people are. Everybody has been shut out of this now because of the terrorist threat. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we made a commitment to the children of Australia that we would deliver these letters, including I'm taking my own daughter's letter uh, and picture. Um, and so we intend to try and still deliver those letters. And if we can't deliver them to the delegates, we will find a way to put them in public space so the people of Paris and around the world can understand that there is an entire generation of children that stand to um, have really quite bloody miserable existences because of the greed of multinational corporations and the attachment to power that goes with their political allies. Uh, So I just want to say to everyone that's going to be following the Climate Angels at home, you can follow us on Facebook on Climate Guardian Angels at COP21. Um, If you join that event, it doesn't mean we expect you to be in Paris. It means Mm -hmm. you can follow what we do in Paris. Uh, And it's really important that we have support because we are the only people, as far as I know, from Australia that are trying to deliver the voice of a generation that is completely locked out but will pay the highest price for our
1: belligerence around climate change. I have a special question from Rebecca. What are you looking forward to the most Chocolate crepes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Kat, for today. All the best for Paris. Thank you. And we will be following you, and I can't wait to share what's going on over there.
2: Yeah, we'll be checking in on dirt radio with you while we're
1: there. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) And don't forget, if you can't make it to Paris, you can still show up at the People's Climate March in Melbourne. It's this Friday on the 27th of November. So head to the State Library of Victoria for 5.30 p.m. start.